Greetings, this is The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things books and publishing. I'm Dean Karpowitz, editor of the journal and regular contributor to the podcast. Today on the show, we talk with Emily Wu Zeller, voice actor and narrator of the audiobook version of The Poppy War. Our discussion covers her career, the rise in popularity of audiobooks, and her views on the way that they influence our understanding and enjoyment of books in general. I was joined by editors Sarah Willis and Sam Steinke for the interview. We hope you enjoy it. Emily Wu Zeller is an acclaimed narrator, having received Audi, Earphones, and Sovas Awards, as well as the distinction of being named one of Audiophile's Best Voices in 2018, 2015, and 2013. She's a dancer, singer, and stage actor, with years of character and commercial voiceover work. Emily won a Tristan Award for her work as Sally Bowles in Cabaret and a Rosalind E. Snyder Prize for Creative Achievement from UC Berkeley. Just a few of her notable audiobook titles include The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo, The Poppy War by R.F. Quang, and Gulp by Mary Roach. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, I'm glad to be here. So we've done a few shows uh, on the rise in the popularity of audiobooks. Um... I guess my first question is, are you an audiobook listener? Um, and what do you think it adds to the experience of a book? Um, so I have listened to audiobooks. I do use, I do listen to them. Um, but I've been in the industry now for 10 years, and this has been my full-time job for uh, seven. Wow. Um, so, so for me, listening to books, becomes a lot more of a job thing. Uh-huh. You know, it's really hard to divorce myself from, you know, listening to other performances and seeing what, you know, people, all of the things that have to do with the job. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard for me to listen just casually as a listener. Um, but I do. I do occasionally. Um, and I I think it adds a lot to the experience. It, it's... Uh, you know, you, you have a performance. It's not just your personal interpretation of the text. It's mm-hmm. also you're getting somebody else's interpretation of the text. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it, actually there was a study that came out, um, I actually believe from my alma mater, uh, that showed that when you listen to a book, it is the same part of the brain that gets uh, exercised and used as when you're just reading it. Mm-hmm. Um but I know on, from my personal experience side, I also think that there is an extra element when you're, when you're listening. Yeah. I could yeah. say as a teacher, I think, you know, the first part of the question uh, about, you know, being a listener and listening, what, how you listen, I think I've probably ruined books for some of my students who read now and say, I just can't, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't read for enjoyment anymore. There though. was a few years where you got to <laughs> step away from that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, from your experience as an actor, uh, do you think uh-huh. there's anything that's lost or maybe essentially changed in the audio version? Um, I'm thinking about the way a film uh, offers us a distinct sort of portray- portrayal of characters. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get like the the fan boys and girls who are really critical of I don't know the way Thor looks or whatever in the rent in the film rendition. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't think that listening is for everybody. I I agree. I, sometimes it's 
it's really nice to allow your imagination to take a couple of different routes, say, if you revisit the story later, um, either just by looking at the text or just in your imagination, right? It's nice to not have somebody else have decided what that's going to be for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, you know, we try to strike a balance um, between letting the text be available and leaving space for the listener's imagination and also being true to the text and, you know, you know obviously I do character voices and so, but I don't, I, I try not to create a character that's anything other than what's already in the text. Mm. So I don't, I don't add layers unless the author has said, please add layers, right? Mm. Yeah. Right. I, I, the, general, the general idea is, even with accents, sometimes I've been directed to, you know what, it says this character has an accent, but we're just going to do no accents at all for okay. this. Ah. So we really, yeah. So we, and when I first started uh, 10 years ago, um, I had come from animation, and um, so my characters were big, yeah. very, very big. Mm-hmm. And they told that the director said, hey, you know what, we really need this to be a lot more vanilla so that we can uh, leave space for the listener experience. Wow. So interesting. Right. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so is the person directing it uh, hired by the publisher? So that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, it used to be that we every project would have a director, uh-huh. um, and every project would be in a studio with an engineer, and there used to be actually even more than just those other folks in the room. That was before my time. Uh-huh. Um, I have done a number of titles with directors, but I will say the vast majority have been just me. Wow. Um, would you, would you yeah. say that's, that's because like Audible is making everything audio now? Uh, I would say that that's because it's cheaper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes down to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's just you, you're not paying to have as many people in the room. So, you know, I have a studio that I record from at home. I also go into studios to record, which is, in my opinion, a lot better. Um, because you just have other eyes on it. It's a lot more efficient in terms of time and uh-huh. energy is better on the performance side. Um, but, yeah, most of the time a lot of us are at home and or in a you know, home-adjacent studio, and we're, we've got the director hat on and we've got the engineering hat on. We're self-engineering wow. um, and, we're, and we're performing. So, yeah, it's not a lot of people know that. Um, no, I would not have so, guessed that. Yeah. 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 I'm just really interested to know how you got started in all of this. Because, I mean, you are saying sure. that you have, like, a home studio and stuff. So I'm like, wow. Like, And you're saying you've been doing it for the past 10 years. So how did you even get started doing this? Like, what led you to that? Yeah, well, you know, um, I, ever since I was a wee lass, I was <laughs> trained as an actor, singer, and dancer. Um, so I've just always been on the performance track. Um uh-huh. And, uh, it, yeah, and just the, my mother is Chinese, um, and I speak Cantonese and very, a touch of Mandarin. It comes, it's better when I'm, like, surrounded by it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, language has always been something that's very uh, interesting and easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, using the voice and between music actually really helps a lot for 
combining the musical skills with uh, acting skills in terms of specifically for audiobooks because you get a lot of accents, you get a lot of dialect, you get a lot of languages. So um, that's often a boon if you're trying to get into this to be able to either be able to do a ton of accents or to have at least a couple languages under your belt Mm. so that that can be the thing that, you know, is your your niche or whatever. Um, But I had done a few jobs here and there of various voiceover, you know, it kind of, it's in the air (laughs) if you're doing performance projects, you know, like I did a a couple of, actually several, um, for dance performances, they needed announcers or in-between sort of whatever, and I did do that. Mm. Um, And then I moved to Hong Kong, where my mom's family's from, and uh, was living there with my sister, who was modeling, and um, with a community and a boyfriend at the time who was uh, who were actors who were immigrant actors english speaking um the common term is expat but really they're immigrants call a spade a spade so yeah uh <laughs> so there was a group of very privileged immigrants who were all english speaking and within this community uh they were looking for dubbing artists to do to cut to dub anime for TV and film. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I auditioned and got the job and uh, did that full-time for a year and a half. Um, mm. Yeah. So that was really the boot camp for voiceover stuff because in Hong Kong it's a lot different than the way they do it here, which I've also done that kind of work here. Um, and we were a whole team in a room and we just had to jump in front of the mic, and we did four episodes a day. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So in one week, we would cover an entire season wow. worth of uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah. Man. And we worked six days a week. We were on, we were, it, it was home, again, it was not the United States, right? So right. We weren't, we weren't paid to be there, but we were expected to be there <laughs> nine to six. Monday through Saturday. All right. And we we would get paid for the episode that we appeared in, or Uh. the episodes that we appeared in, a very, very nominal amount. (laughs) Um, But for a person fresh out of college, I was like, hey, I'm making money. Great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And I wouldn't trade the relationships that I developed with the other actors for anything. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you're with the same people all day, every day. Yeah, we were Break room conversations are not radio appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. they, were, mm-hmm. they were really fun. <laughs> so, so has like the has the amount of work increased? I mean, you look now and with all of the I don't know podcasts and I'm I'm even thinking of like how Dungeons and Dragons and like tabletop gaming has it's filled with like voice actors, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. doing I don't know whatever character that they're in and you know, like Critical Role, I have students who watch, those are like three-hour episodes. More than that. Yeah. 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 So is there totally. more work now? Um, there's more projects being made. Yeah. I don't know that I would call it work. Okay. Um, because the the amount that you would get paid for that, I think, is really all over the map. Yeah. But there's definitely a lot of projects, more projects, particularly in the um, role-playing game world. Um, and... 
the technology is what really has boosted the audiobook industry, right? So it, it used to be that if you wanted to listen to something, you'd have to put in a cassette tape yeah. or put in a CD yeah. player. And with MP3s and, you know, being able to listen on any any device, really, it's oh, it made it so much more available. So audiobooks are one of the few industries that are continuing to just grow and grow yeah. and grow. Um and the technology has also allowed for home studios to be reasonably priced now, mm. relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, and for authors who, for whatever reason, don't have um, the traditional publishing route, they're self-publishing, and they want to self-produce audio, that's also available. Ah. You know, I didn't go think to, of that. Go to a website. Yep. Um, go to a website that is... The the biggest website and the most commonly used is is one that is run by Audible. Ah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but they they have a a way to connect with uh, actors and engineers and producers and um, so you can get a book done without having a publisher or producer mm-hmm. do it for you. Right. Yeah. Well, and of course, you know that's Amazon does that with you know texts as well right 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 i'm pretty sure audible is an amazon company it it is yeah Mm -hmm. they are they are yep so that's not surprising yeah um Uh, how did you make the switch then from doing animation to doing audiobooks instead okay (laughs) when when you're doing the performance route most of the time you're taking any jobs you can get Mm -hmm. and so i was just doing the regular hustling thing and was yeah. just like, oh, here's another voiceover audition thing. Okay, cool. I'll go for that. <laughs> yeah. um, that story is actually <laughs> it's fun. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, like I was saying, you know, in, in Hong Kong, the, the rules are different. And um, I, when I got to the States, I said, hey, you know, I, I'm really going to need a demo here can you send me some clips of the stuff we did? And obviously, if we're doing a season a week, and I was there for a year and a half, there's a lot of material, yeah. right. right? They sent me two clips that I swear to God were outtakes. Oh, um, no. Either that or I'm really bad, and I didn't realize <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and, and I was like, okay, great. So that's a dead end. And, <laughs> you know, I was... I. Right out, right out of college, pretty much. You know, I'd, I'd been in Hong Kong for two years, but, you know, I was still 23 and had moved back to the United States. I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Right. So my dad was a musician. Um, he was a professional musician when he was my age. Um, and he had a very, like, rinky-dink home uh, recording studio with this, like, very, you know, very pro-am sort of machines that he got from Guitar Center, um, and a room that had glass and closets that would, you know, shake if you looked at it, <laughs> and like, <laughs> full of metal all over everything, but I was like, help, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, and he at least had that, you know, so as put together as it, or barely put together as it was, it was still something, and that really helped, so I... I said, okay, well, what's my type? All right, uh, ingenue for, like, murder mystery. I've done a lot of that. Okay, so I pulled out a Dashiell Hammett. Mm. I think it was um, Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. Falcon, And I uh, I opened it up, the physical book. This was 
pre-iPad, right? Mm-hmm. So I open up the physical book, and <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting in front of the mic, and then I pull a piece of pantyhose over my face to be like, <laughs> there in front of my face to be a pop filter. And oh my God. I, I read, you know, whatever the first three pages. <laughs> And that was my audition tape. Whoa. That's so that's iconic. That's the best visual ever. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I sent that in to, my first job was with them. Um, at the time, they were BBC Audiobooks America. Mm-hmm. And I had heard about the audition because uh, 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 they were had posted it at um, uh, for the Brown MFA students, and I was I was seeing somebody who was there. And they told me about the audition, and... So that's when I put it together. I sent it. They responded, said, hey, we'd love to have you come in for an in-person. And I nice. said, yeah. You were like, I'm bringing these pantyhose with me. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so, so yeah, it was just another job is the short version. It was just like, hey, this is something that's in voiceover. I love reading. I've always loved reading. And it just, like with dubbing, um, it's not just anybody who can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. But I, it, for me, I took to it like a fish to water. It was just like, oh, I get this. I yeah, get this. Yeah. Um, and I had not listened to a lot of books before that. I had not watched a lot of dubbed anime before I started doing that. Um, it was just, I was, it just was natural fit. Yeah. Um, and anime and has, I think, anime has come mm-hmm. a long way. I mean, I can remember really has, yeah. <laughs> the mm-hmm. old, old dubbed animes, and it's oh. like, I'd rather listen to the Japanese version. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Right. Hey, man. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's true. I and after I left, nostalgia. word was that it, uh, it got it got a lot shoddier. We were we were the biggest game in town mm. when we when I was there. Mm. And we were known for doing pretty decent work. Mm. Um, the, the releases were only in Southeast Asia and Latin America, I think. Mm. Um, so it wouldn't have been anything that came to the States. Although you can find some YouTube clips ah. of some ah. of the stuff now. I have, I have seen a couple of those. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that would come out here. Oh, man. Um, so are you an anime fan or just a worker? Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I like anime, but I'm not like an Uber fan. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I grew up with it. I, yeah. You know, I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley of Los Angeles, which yeah. is super, super Asian, and it was just like, you know, yeah. part of what everybody's consuming. Yeah, so, Sarah yeah. introduced me because my son was looking for something to Airbender, and so. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Since then. Cool. Yeah. Since then, I've been a big fan. Nice. So, in regard to the Poppy War, um, did you yeah. and Miss King ever collaborate your visions when you were going to record the book? Um, no, not really. Hmm. Um, so, usually the process is the author writes the book. Um, now, because audio is become such a major moneymaker and a lot more present just in the world, Publishers are often including audio rights in their deals. Uh, they didn't mm. used to. Um, so it used to be a publisher would kind of hire a, if they didn't have an in-house production section, they would hire another producer. Uh-huh. Um, that's kind of all over the map now that you get everything. Um, but so an author who's signing with a publisher may or may not have uh, 
find away their audio rights, pretty much. Right. Um, in this case, uh, Rebecca was allowed to uh, talk to me, and I was allowed to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And so, after, so this is really... Actually, I don't remember if it was a simultaneous release or not. Um, but the book was already written. Oh. So I read the book. I said, okay, well, these are pronunciation questions I have. These are character uh, questions I have. I don't often have a ton of character questions. It's only when something's unclear that mm-hmm. I kind of ask about it. Mostly it's, hey, if we're t- particularly for something like this that has a lot of um, Chinese in it, mm-hmm. I say, how? How Chinese do you want me to go? Mm-hmm. Like, I can go full on and make everything, you know, super Chinese, or I can do like a fantasy hybrid, or I can make it very Americanized, or right. whatever. So that I do ask the author about. But otherwise, again, it's just me. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it's also, we're, we're, we're hired guns. Like the kind of contracts um, that the author gets with a publisher are not the same as we're, I'm a freelance person mm-hmm. you know an independent contractor it's a one-off deal we right. usually get paid just for the the hourly rate and that's it mm-hmm. um it's not always the case there are there are some exceptions to that um but for the most part it's just sort of like i said a hired gun it's just like okay well we just need somebody to record this so here and then thank you and then they go back to their author publisher relationship yeah. and that's <laughs> it yeah we also interviewed um Punk Shepherd. I think you did. Did you do the audio for? Yeah. Book of M? Yeah, yeah. 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 I did Book of M with uh, James Foster. Yeah. Um. So, all that being said, and after you know you having told us just all the different like things that you've done that's led you to this point, what mm-hmm. have you found to be the most difficult part of your job doing this? Um, twofold. Uh, I guess they're related. It's that you are on your own. Now, I, I'm an introvert, um, mm-hmm. so I, when I was like, wait, I can be by myself and make money <laughs> eight hours a day? Are you kidding me? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, so I do I do still really like that, but um, as a freelance person um, who's running your own business, it's really hard, at least for me, some people are a lot better at this, it's really hard to maintain boundaries about time. Um, and working from home is its own thing, too. So there's all of the, like, the sort of business economy constraints mm-hmm. of, you know, okay, no, I have to take a day off this week. No, I can't work every evening this yeah. week, right. you know, or, or whatever. So that's that's a really difficult part. That's I, Everybody, again, you know, everybody's different with that, but it's it's hard to work from home. There's a lot of benefits, for sure, but it's also... It it takes a certain amount of um, diligence. For some people, right. it's mm-hmm. to to work. <laughs> yeah. For me, yeah. it's to not work. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'll just want to work all the time, which is not good. Yeah. Um, so that's one side of it, and then the other side of it is like, you know, it's a creative job, and creativity doesn't follow the rules of capitalism. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard um, to keep the creative well replenished. Oh, yeah. Um, Super drained. Yeah, which is, like, yeah, again, related to taking a break, right? So mm-hmm. you just need to be sure to program that in to say, okay, no, I absolutely am not going to work during these days or times or whatever. Yeah. 
But that's the, that's the toughest part. Hmm. So with a project like The Poppy War, where it was, what, a 500-plus page novel, how Mm -hmm. long does that take from start to finish to record? Um, It varies. In terms of pure studio hours, at home, my rate is about two studio hours per finished hour. Hmm. Um, Okay. Yeah. When I'm at home, I usually have to take a break about every hour. So... It'll take me like, I don't know, two hours and 15 minutes or two and a half hours to get one finished hour done. Um, but that doesn't include reading the book beforehand. That doesn't include, you know, preparation of characters or whatever. Although that that's usually fairly quick. It's, you know, an hour or two of time. Yeah. Right. Um, and it... And it doesn't include coordination of schedule and emailing and all of that stuff. Yeah. But in terms of pure performance, it's just two to one. Um, yeah. So when so, you're do, when you're doing it at home, do you do do you do you edit it too? Some people do. Okay. Um, I could, but I usually hire that out when okay. it's an independent uh, an independent production. Um, this was through HarperCollins. They have their own team, and they hire out producers who, who do that. So I just send in clean, raw audio. Uh, okay. Oh, nice. But that, like, makes yeah. it so convenient, too. Yeah. So that would be pretty awesome, I would think. Yeah. I mean, you do still have to – it has to be clean, so you can't send in stuff with tons of outta- any outtakes, actually. Right. Um, or anything. So it has to be a, a clean run. But what they listen for is any extraneous noises that you might have missed or – any errors that you might have made in, in reading the text. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So do you always uh, read a book start to finish before you decide to take it on as a project, or not always? No, there's no time. Hmm. There's oh, no yeah. time for that. Yeah. They usually will send a synopsis, um, so I have a sense. And I don't, I've done some romance. I have you know, a, a body of work that is in the romance category. I, th- I believe I had heard that romance is actually 50% of the industry. Wow. I believe it's, that. 100%. Yeah, oh, my huge. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, romance readers, listeners um, are very avid. They consume, like, they can consume, like, a book a day. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a huge part of the industry. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us who are, you know, full-time narrators, do a lot of romance work and so i have a body of work but that's not my particular niche right like mm-hmm. my thing is east asian narrative so i've had the fortune of being able to do tons of different genres yeah. but romance is one of them hey. and uh pseudonyms are a thing because some of the uh, some of the romance and erotica can be quite explicit mm. and right. some people are worried about um oh hey we'll save you know, Disney wants to hire me someday, and they see that I've done this. Yeah. can't have this on my track record. <laughs> right. I oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right, yeah. So some people run into problems sometimes when they decide not to do it under their pseudonym. Then they start reading the book, and it's too late to change it yeah. to their pseudonym. Yeah. And they realize, oh, no, this content actually really should not be under my name. Um, I fortunately, I think that's only happened... Once and I, or once or twice, and I kind of let just, I just let it go. So, um, so is there anything you would, you wouldn't do? I mean, in terms of like the, the content of a book, like if you were kind of right. disgusted by what you're reading, would you just say, I, I can't do this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have not had to turn a book down yet, mm-hmm. but there is for sure a limit. Yeah. Um, 
and for me it's not sex based yeah. like i'm a very sex positive individual mm-hmm. right. but it it has to do with like if the content is really disrespectful yeah right um then i would probably say you know what i can't do this either it's like you know it could be racist or sexist or just you know whatever right. uh, then i'm not into it um so yeah fortunately there's only been i haven't really had too much experience with that um what, what about i haven't like, had to say no what about like the, an author like we talk as teachers about like should we you know, should we teach Sherman Alexia anymore because of the controversy surrounding what has happened with a particular, you know, author? You know, should we be teaching his fiction or essays? Um, right. Would that right. influence whether you would take a project? Um, potentially. Yeah. Pot- potentially. I, I, it's kind of a case-to-case basis, I think, for that sort of thing. Did you hear about the Campbell Award, that it got changed? Yeah, I did. I did. And yeah. Right, and rightly yeah. so, Yeah. Absolutely right. Who, who was so the when it's something? Yeah. Who who was the one who won it? Who I can't remember her her name. It's Jenny Jenny Ng, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for those for those who don't know who are listening, the Campbell Award was changed because Campbell was racist um, uh, when he was running. I think it was the magazine of science fiction and fantasy, right? And um, yeah, and uh, so the, the the person who won it this year got up and talked and said. I'll accept the award, but you know the, the the person who it's named for is not representative of especially what's going on in science fiction and fantasy now, mm-hmm. and so they right. they changed the they changed the name of the the award. Oh, yeah, that's well, awesome. the the author herself, I think she's also Hong Kong Chinese actually, um, and her content is very explicitly diverse. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so Campbell wouldn't have stood for that. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I was uh, yeah. I, I was even watching a, I think it was maybe just an interview with, I, I want to say it was like Anita Sarkeesian and N.K. Jemison, and they were talking about uh-huh. the state of fantasy now, and mm-hmm. um, you know, Jemison was basically saying that there's still like this old guard, you know, saying that fantasy needs to look like um, tokens fantasy right there has to be elves yeah. there has to be dragons there has, you know and and fantasy right. it has to be basically uk alternative yeah wow. yep. yep yeah and yep. and it i think it's really amazing and wonderful how the how the genre is changing and just sort of rejecting that i mean there's still that core but the, yeah it's so much more diverse now yeah totally it's really exciting yeah for sure yeah yeah um getting back to talking about the process so if my understanding of what you're saying is a lot of the times when you're doing these recordings, you're reading the book for the first time as you're recording. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, no, not as you're recording. You okay. read it before. So when they give me the project, I mm-hmm. don't have time to read it before I accept the project. Got it. But I do have time to read it before I record it. I was going to say, because so. my next question was, I loved your distinctive voices in the Poppy War and how each <laughs> of the main characters was like really felt whole as their own character. So I wondered oh, how you, you yeah, you're welcome. Uh, how do you come up with those kind of personalities before you get to recording? That's just acting. That's just in the text. I, again, you know, I, I try to stay as true as possible to the text, but it is coming through me. So it's also through my lived experiences of, of people and characters and my made up experiences mm-hmm. of my imagination. And that's just acting, you know, when you, it's just making a character. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. 
Pulled the yeah. wool over your eyes, Sarah. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just so magical to me. I just feel like there must be like this distinct and complicated process. Um, no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends. It, it depends on what you, how you think. If you think acting is is a com- complicated, process. it's a total it mystery to me. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, I think the narration of an audiobook, it, we've talked about this already, it, it does add a layer of influence to a, the listener's understanding. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if you're agreeing with that, uh, do you try to make your own meaning or do you try to make the text speak for itself? I know you said producers want you to make it vanilla, but how do you feel about that? Right. Well, so that's, so like I was saying before, it's trying to strike a balance between like letting the text breathe and also giving it life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying trying to be true to what I see in the text as like, okay, well, this character is uh, gregarious and loud and uh, has a really deep, gravelly voice. Okay, mm-hmm. they said that explicitly. All right, I'm going to try to, like, do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not going to all of a sudden give that person also a Russian accent, right, right. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm... Uh, which you might have more space to do if you're doing a theater production or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But not for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the narration part specifically, which is most of audiobook narration, it's not just the characters. The characters are when you can, uh, when I feel like, oh, okay, now I can like really open up my wings and just like fly and have yes. fun here. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it's been the narration, right? And the narration is, is a really interesting space. Uh, because sometimes it's written in first person and sometimes it's written in third or second, right? Mm-hmm. First person, you get a little more leeway because you are actually the character. You're embodying that character. Mm-hmm. But third person is a whole nother thing. It's, it's, you're, you're not any particular character per se, but you are still delivering the text with an emotional undertone, like the author is always going to write with a particular perspective, even if it's third. Um, and and you have to walk the line of delivering the emotional tone without being uh, an imposing character. Mm. Um, so yeah. that, that, that's always really interesting for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think my only other question was, uh, is there like a, a dream book or series that you would love to do an audio version for? <laughs> well, at this point, a lot of it's already been done. Um, right. But there were a couple of books over the last couple of years that I wish I could have done, but I don't know, maybe someday. Sarah Kuhn is mm. a, a writer in Los Angeles. She's also, uh, she she's wrote something called Heroin Complex, mm-hmm. which I'd, I'd love to get in touch with her about doing. I don't know that she's actually gotten that produced yet for, for audio. Mm-hmm. There's also a book called um, Jet Black and the Ninja Wind, which came out in, like, 2013, I think. So it's a while ago now. But I was actually in touch with the authors for that. Um, but they, it was 2013, so it was right at the start of when audio was blowing up and they had signed away their audio rights. Or I think their contract didn't even include it or something. I, I'm, I'm not totally sure. I don't want to, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't want to put misinformation out there. But um, they did not have control over the the audio uh-huh. producing the audio portion and i didn't have success with the uh the publisher at the time i don't know maybe i'll email them again and have better <laughs> success now yeah. uh but in but other than books you know my dream job is to work for disney or, or, mm. oh, yeah. or you know to do a job like that yeah. uh, but 
that's the pie in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I noticed you did the uh, the audio book for Rebecca Quang's new novel, uh, Dragon Republic. Um, mm-hmm. So I I have it. I just haven't had time for with prepping for classes and stuff. I haven't had time to read it and listen. Um, you know, Rin's a much different character at the end of the book than she is at the start. Mm-hmm. So yeah. was voicing her different at all from, you know, did you kind of imagine her in a new space? And, you know, do you take that sort of into consideration when you're doing a sequel? Um, for sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the same world, right? So I revisit mm-hmm. the world. Um, and sometimes, actually, there can be years between a, a first book and a sequel. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, you know, I've recorded whatever, however many books in a year, 150 or something. And then, like, Ooh. coming in and and being like, oh, wait, right. Oh, okay, I can, like, get back into this world. What is this world and what's happened here? So that that's part of the prep process. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's written. Again, it's it's just what's in the text. Yeah. So Rebecca wrote it. She wrote the character changing, and I just followed that. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. said, okay, yeah, no, I'm with you. Let's, let's make this happen, yeah. you know. Um, and then something we always ask uh, of of the writer writers we interview and everyone we interview, there's someone beginning in the field, uh, acting, voice acting. Do you have any advice mm-hmm. as someone who's been in it um, 10 years and worn pantyhose over your head? I would say that the, the advice for somebody who wants to get into voice acting is be an actor first, so there's that. Um, and then for acting in general, I guess the only advice that I would have, if you're somebody like me, try to maintain your health. <laughs> um, it's really easy to just say, okay, well, I'm going to bend over backwards and take any job I can get so that I can, quote, make it. Mm-hmm. But unless you make it to, like... <laughs> Meryl Streep level, mm. there isn't really a break point where you, you make it, oh, okay, I've, like, run up the hill, and now I can relax. Yeah. Like, no, you've run up the hill, now you can work full-time. Yeah. You know, so there, so build in those breaks from the beginning. Build in, and I'm not saying, you know, be lazy, but, right. like, give yourself time to, to take care of yourself, and you'll last longer. Mm. You won't burn out as quickly, because this job, this, this kind of work can really, can be really taxing. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the only advice I'd have. And like, it's okay to have other jobs. It, they're also, that's part of what's taxing is that you have to hold a number, wear a number of different hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much yes, for joining you. us thank today. You. Thank you for having me. It's been a really pleasure to talk to you guys. The Pub is produced at the University of Wisconsin Parkside from the studio at WIPZ 101.5 FM. You can tune in Saturdays at noon to catch new episodes. You can also find The Pub on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or you can head on over to our website at straylightmag.com for fiction, poetry, art, and, of course, podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for regular updates on new content. And thanks for listening to The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast of all things books and publishing.